This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Our family is whole once again. We have a three-man podcast tonight, so let's first go uh, to the man, the, the prod- prodigal son. He has returned. Uh, Drew Hausman, how you doing, Drew? I'm doing great. Uh, I just wanted to remind everybody that our podcast today is brought to you by uh, Squarespace and Blue Apron. Uh, if you ever need food, deliver your home to a box. You know where to go. <laughs> so that is, uh, you know, a lot, not, a lot, not a lot of people know this. There have been a lot of changes in government recently. One of them is that it is now mandatory that all podcasts are sponsored by Squarespace and one of the home delivery food options. So, uh, Drew, thank you. Omar, Omar Mubayad, how you doing, buddy? I'm above the clouds. I'm above the sky. I'm sitting on the cloud. <laughs> Zlatan. Yes, the long-awaited secret that really wasn't a secret is uh, is out. Zlatan will return to Manchester United once he's healed from injury. Uh, man, I've been uh, calling that uh, shit since June, man. Since June, I've been like, yo, he's getting free medical. He put his kids back in the academy. That dude's signing a contract. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to go to the Rowdies. He's going to go to the Galaxy. Like, nah, dude. Uh-uh. Nah, he's not doing that. All right, proceed. So... Uh, we have a lot to discuss. We will talk a little bit about uh, the Premier League and European soccer in general because there was some news today. Um, but we're going to keep it local, very local to start with. And uh, we're going to hold pause on Miami FC for just a moment because there are two pretty big local soccer stories that we haven't been able to talk about on the podcast yet, but we do want to discuss. And the first is uh, a team that's near and dear to my heart, uh, the University of Miami women's soccer team. Um, you know, we try to cover all local soccer. That includes collegiate soccer down here. Uh, the University of Miami and FIU women's soccer uh, have kicked off, and uh, they met on a collision course uh, last week. Um, but, yeah, the collegiate te- season has kicked off. It is the first collegiate athletic season to kick off in the new academic year every year before football, before all the other fall sports. Uh, so it's kind of exciting. It lets you know that, the college season is back underway, and, and all other sports will return shortly. But the University of Miami has always had a pretty good women's soccer program. It's, uh, usually, pr- probably the, like the past 10 years, it's been pr- a pretty solid program. Makes regular appearances in the NCAA tournament, and they started off strong. Uh, Omar, you wrote a couple recaps about the UM team. What did you see from them this week? I was watching the game on TV. Drew was actually at uh, on site at Cobb Stadium, and uh, it's a great way to really start off their their regular season campaign and get points that you know actually count started the year uh you know losing 3-0 to ucf uh, you know upstate central florida uh they came back in their second game of preseason laid down the hammer on florida tech 7-0 and it was a lot like that 7-0 night uh for the university of miami hurricanes uh they went ahead and just Got started early and they never really stopped. Uh, first goal of the season scored by senior Ronnie Johnson and Christina Fisher with an absolute beautiful feed, um, you know, allowing them to open up their account for 2017. I don't even want to reveal the score yet, but Drew, was the action at the stadium similar or, or just as awe inspiring as the action on TV? 
Yeah, it was pretty intense. It was it was my first women's college soccer game, so I didn't I didn't know what to expect. Um, it's at Cobb Field, and I love that place now. After you know Miami playing in the Open Cup there, so I was excited to see some soccer there. But yeah, it it definitely uh, way blew my expectations of what what I thought it was going to be. You know, if they play every game like this, <laughs> I will go to every game. But uh, it, it was it was a great game. Um, there was a pretty decent crowd. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the NCAA women's rules, so I was very tripped out. Like twenty minutes into it, when the opposing team made three subs, <laughs> so <laughs> I just kind of had to sit there and I was like mentally adjusting, and I was like, "Well, maybe there's like twenty subs, and there's no JV team." And then I was like, "They they actually sub in and out, kind of uh, similar to I guess what like high school soccer would be." Right. So it was interesting to see that, but uh, it kind of added a, a refreshing twist to the game, I guess, because, you know, like, a decent player would come out, and at first I was all bummed, and then I was like, oh, she's back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I broke into sports writing, at least in Miami, covering uh, that women's soccer team my freshman year at UM, so I, I have some familiarity with some of the quirks, peculiarities of college soccer. It's called full circle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so I I was able to see a a little bit of um, the first game and and a little bit of the second game. I unfortunately couldn't sit down and just kind of watch all 90 minutes. Uh, But UM has, like I said, a solidly built program. It really struggled in the early 2000s, but um, when uh, Trisha Talaferro arrived, um, in kind of, I believe it's 2004, she really started building, and, and the current uh, regime has been in power for a few years and has really done a good job of, of creating a solid program. There's a lot of talent to pull from, um, you know, in the United States in terms of women's soccer, but there are a lot of teams, especially in the ACC, um, that offer stiff competition, most notably North Carolina, uh, but Florida State also has a very good uh, women's soccer program. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see them compete against um, conference opposition to kind of see where they stand and see how they're going to progress this year. Um, but, yeah, again, the, the eyes are always on the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Coach Monroe has done a fantastic job in Coral Gables. He's absolutely recruiting talent and, and making the most of what she has um, you know, on her roster. Ronnie Johnson would score the second goal of the night, um, and basically Miami would just keep pounding and pounding their opponents, not allowing not one shot on net um, against the goalkeeper or against Miami's goalkeeper here. So Miami would go ahead and take that match 6-0. This match took place last Friday night, and guess what would come up on Sunday? Yes, what we've coined the Palmetto Derby. Uh, The Palmetto Derby Mm -hmm. is going to be the match between the University of Miami Hurricanes and FIU Soccer. Unfortunately, University of Miami does not have a men's soccer team FIU does uh, so we are unable to have that match happen you know kind of on both sides of the coin here um, strong match the, if you look at the box score and you take a look at it and see that you know 25 shots compared to I believe it was 9 uh, for FIU you would think that this game was really lopsided but shout out I'm sorry shout out and credit really goes to FIU's goalkeeper um, FIU's goalkeeper uh, Stojakovic played a hell of a game in order and made some highlight reel saves in order to keep the, to keep the game just uh, sitting at two to zero. Uh, Miami came out with you know again hot force. I think they shot something like 
14. They got about like nine shots and four corners in the first half. You know, 16 in the second half. Ronnie Johnson added to her title again. Uh, to her title, to her account. I can't talk right now. What's going on with me? Christina Fisher <laughs> opened up her account uh, in the second half as well in order to give Miami the 2-0 win as both teams now depart on the road for a stretch of games. Uh, the Hurricanes are headed for a tour of the Northeast. Uh, FIU is going to go to New England for a couple games before they come back to Jacksonville and play Jacksonville University and University of North Florida. So in about 10 days, 14 days time, both teams will be back on their home campuses playing matches. Uh, definitely something to check out. Definitely something you should uh, go out and support. Um, fantastic talent fantastic players uh both in coral gables and westchester and uh, if you don't go you're really missing out yeah i would agree uh especially i love cop stadium i love being on um's campus so really any excuse to get over there i, I try to take advantage of it uh, miami fc fans were out there for the cup game as drew referenced uh but it's, it's a really good venue and they do usually draw pretty good crowds um being in the first game is probably even a little bit bigger than normal but uh, the university has done a good job of kind of uh, reducing the barriers of entry for people if they're interested in turning out. So, yeah, highly recommend. And we'll be talking more about them this season. Um, let's transition now uh, back to the gentleman. Uh, and let's talk about the APSL. Um, this is a uh, semi-pro league, uh, or an amateur league, I believe, not semi-pro, um, that is uh, based here in South Florida entirely. It's made up all of teams located in South Florida and has an entire conference dedicated to teams in Miami-Dade County. Um, they kicked off their um, fall season um, two weekends ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we can't just focus on one or two teams. There are so many that we need to discuss. Yeah. Uh, but you know, again, there's a whole conference, six, uh, five different teams based in Miami-Dade County. But we did want to uh, bring special attention. Uh, to FC Kendall and Red Force. Now, we've talked about uh, Red Force before. They were the Open Cup qualifier out of the APSL. Um, They faced off against the South Florida Surf. We brought you some coverage from Tropical Park Stadium of that game. Um, And FC Kendall is uh, the former Uruguay Kendall FC, which has been established in Kendall uh, for, I believe, close to a decade. Um, And they kicked off the season at Tropical Park. And uh, it's exciting, again, when not, normally we talk about a team located in Miami-Dade County. We have a whole conference, a whole league in Miami-Dade County. Yep. All right. Sorry, I, th- I thought I set that up there for someone to knock it down. I will, I will I'll redirect Omar. What are you looking for in the APSL this season? I think you're going to see uh, a lot more parity. And the reason why you're going to see that now is because we're going to have two different conferences, uh, one of those with teams solely located in Miami and the other one being with teams located just north of Dade County. For example, teams in the Northern Conference include Boca Raton, Inter United, Jupiter, uh, and a couple other teams that play just north of that county border within Broward, Palm Beach, or uh, I believe would be Martin County? Yeah, Martin County. Um, I believe so. Solid conference again. All these teams are really close to each other. So what you're going to see is reduced travel. You know, you're going to see a lot of teams be able to easily make these trips, and you're going to get extra soccer on your weekends. This league runs into December. 
Uh, so you're going to get some soccer once the NESL season's over, and it is quality. Even though we consider it amateur soccer, it's not necessarily you know a league where you're going to have you know seven guys kicking around a ball and, and they don't have any chemistry, and you know it looks like you know hey they got out of work and started playing right. They just managed to you know organize really well and get the same color kits and stuff. But no, this is actually quality soccer. A lot of these guys are you know high school players uh, that you know are still trying to make walk-on ambitions some of them are former college players that you know still love the game and and it's really good quality soccer um and it's really important to you know try to support the bottom of the pyramid because you know this is kind of a system where the support has to go from the bottom to the top we already know that the top of the pyramid is going to have ingrained support we know mls miami whenever it happens is going to have its fan base miami fc already has this dedicated fan base but it doesn't really trickle down. A lot of people sit sit here and think, all right, well, you know, soccer's big at the top. You know, people are going to want to go to their, you know, backyard games, you know, in this case, the APSL, but it doesn't really work that way. You have to build the bottom, I'm sorry, the support from the bottom to the top and go on and support teams like Red Force FC who, you know, played the South Florida Surf with a bunch of mercenaries pretty well for about 60, 70 minutes uh, back in the Open Cup. And guess what? Open Cup qualifying is starting up real, real soon here. Just in October, we're going to go ahead and see a lot of Open Cup competition, especially the preliminary rounds. And some of those rounds are going to be taken here in South Florida, and they're going to be competed by a lot of these teams. So get familiar with them. We will be talking about them as the year rolls on. So might as well head out. Most of these games are at Tropical Park. Um, Some of these games are going to be taking place at, you know, Kendall Soccer Park or Brian Piccolo Park, which I believe is in Cooper City in Broward County. So, you know, you're talking 25 minute drive, 30 minute drive max to watch some extra soccer. It's not a bad, not a bad deal. Or if you feel like you're a baller, you can try out too. <laughs> I mean, there's that, right? Cause all these teams are always looking for talent. And if you're somebody who listens to our podcast and you know, you've played footy once or twice in your lives at a very competitive level, um, you know, listen, it's always good to get back into the sports. Stay, stay active, you know, stay fit. And you never know, man. Listen, we've seen some crazy trialist stories in the NASL. Notably one, you know, Kassir. Kassir, great high school player, but coming out of high school and bang, getting a professional contract. The Resende Twins played at FIU. Bang, went on as trialists. And I don't know if they actually were trialists, but they were scouted and got a contract. So as long as you pay your dues, man, the sky's the limit, really. Yeah, I think it's it's... I like to think of it as kind of like the bridge between you're a fan and you're a player. You know, I'm a fan of of, of soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to get in that stupid argument. <laughs> I'm not a player. I'm not in good shape. I've never played. When I have played, I'm not that good. I'm never going to have any dreams of ever being any kind of competitive in any way. Basically, as long as I don't pull a muscle if I'm playing a game of five on five, uh, that's a big win. But there are plenty of people who, like Omar referenced, uh, you know, do have that dream and do have the skills and capabilities and, and, and maybe for whatever reason, um, you know, just got, life got in the way and maybe they, now they have a good opportunity. This is a good way, you know, if, if you want to, you know, take on a, a trial run with an NASL team or even a USL team, uh, it's, a, it's a significant financial burden. And a significant time-consuming burden. This is these are teams that are accessible to you at your local level, um, and are, like like we referenced, are looking for talent, are looking for an opportunity to take someone and shape them and mold them and make them a better player. 
um, if you have the skills. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think it's very interesting. I'm going to be very, in- I will definitely be turning out to Tropical Park. Um, another, basically the Southern Conference games, if I'm not mistaken, all take place at Tropical Park Stadium. Uh, they're home and away teams, quote unquote, but I know a number of the games take place at Tropical Park. Um, so it's a great central location, easy to get to. Again, Sunday afternoon, you know, you, the Dolphins are, are won or lost on the day. And uh, head out to Tropical Park to see a little extra soccer. And like Omar said, the final for the fall season is in December. So you're going to have plenty of time even after the NASL season is done uh, to see what's going on there. And by that point, the weather will surely be much nicer than it is now. If you want to hold off till October to start going out, I don't blame you. Um, it's It's been it's a hot summer. It's very hot. So um, we'll have more about the APSL as the season progresses. Uh, you definitely want to keep an eye on Red Force. As we've mentioned, they've been a bit of a powerhouse in uh, local soccer, qualifying, getting to Open Cups. Um, and there are other teams that are sh- certainly going to want to be up to the challenge. Um, so let's transition back to Miami FC. Jump a few rungs um, on the pyramid there. D four, D three, inactive. Climb up, climb up the uh, old aggro crag of the pyramid. Nice, it's cl- a little bit closer to the top. Well done. Um, <laughs> don't crag. let those boulders fall on you. Be careful. Next um, T-shirt. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Actually, we sh- we're going to cut this part out. I think so. We can keep that idea for ourselves. <laughs> um, let's talk about Miami FC, and, and let's first talk about player acquisitions. Yes, let's shall do it. we? So two notable player acquisitions. Um, Omar had been dropping some hints in recent podcasts and conversations and things like that, uh, that there were going to be kind of mid-season acquisitions, that that was something that was on the table for Alessandro Nesta in the front office of Miami FC. And we finally got some clarity about who they were going to be. And I think they weren't exactly who we had in mind, but we've already seen, at least from one of one of the acquired players, Pretty solid contribution. Uh, so let's talk about them. Omar, I'll pass off to you again since you were kind of uh, in the know on what was going to happen. Yeah, so kind of got word that there was going to be one, two, possibly even a third uh, you know, player added to the roster. And a lot of it comes from the fact that there's been a lot of injuries at the back. Guys like Gabriel Farfan have been unable to stay healthy. Obviously, Robert Casira's injury make it difficult to, uh, you know, to play to give Blake Smith any rest, especially with Farfan, a guy who can play both fullback positions. You know, there's really nobody behind Blake Smith at the moment. So, you know, even though we have this in it death and and death depth, and we have this ability to to look at the roster and say, well, you know, we've got talent. The truth is that the numbers really were lacking at certain positions. Um, if you look at the midfield, for example, Nesta has stated on record that. Mike LaHood is one of the guys that cannot get subbed off during the matches because he doesn't have anybody else that can play that position and play with the the, the ability and, and the tactics and the role that Mike LaHood brings to the team. So what did Miami FCC do? With the first acquisition, they signed Lovell Palmer. Uh, Palmer, notably of Indy 11. Drew, what did you think about the acquisition? I thought it was a great signing. You know, he's he's 32, but as you were saying, our our defense is kind of injured and scattered around right now. Um, you know, obviously it's a veteran player. I th- I think he had some sort of issues with uh, Indy's coaching or ownership, and I think it's, at the end of the day they they ended up releasing him. So that was a great, probably uh, easy pickup for us. 
the guy, you know, in his early career jumped around kind of the Caribbean leagues through Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, he's been all around MLS teams. And, you know, Indy had the, the playoff run last year in the NASL. So um, that's kind of like the, the perfect experience we need is an experienced player and not only in America and, you know, the Caribbeans, but somebody with actual league experience with some sort of playoff experience. So um, that that was, I think it was a great pickup. Um, yeah, our, our defense is, is really pushed apart, so it was kind of weird seeing these guys get signed, but that was the most necessary position. Yeah, I think uh, both signings aren't, uh, they're, they're not going to make you sit up and say, oh my goodness, what's happening? This is crazy. I think they are solid pieces to add into the puzzle. And when you have a team that is already won the spring season, when you have a team that is now, a couple weeks later, still in very good position for the fall season, although it was woe was me from us a couple of weeks ago, it does look a lot better. I think these are the kinds of signings you want to bring in. You don't rock the boat. You don't plan on something that's going to radically change things. You bring in pieces that fit well, that complement what you already have, and allow you to substitute and stretch when you need to, giving your primary options a little bit of rest. Um, I do want to bring up a question that was asked to us on Twitter. It's kind of related to this topic. I think normally we would wait for like, oh, it's the mailbag. Let's ask, answer questions. But this question is very much directly related to what we talk about, uh, what we're talking about. This is from Adam M. from Twitter, at Jovo558. Um, what big player signing for NASL would you like Miami FC to make? Now, uh, I'm sure we, we all want... Uh, you know, get Messi in, get whoever. Of course, we'd want the biggest <laughs> signing. Sign him now. But yeah, there, there it is. Um But in terms of realistic, e- even if you don't have a specific player in mind, a type of player, even what, what if you did have a third option available for Miami FC? What would you guys be looking for? Uh, let's start with Drew. Um, probably, I, I'm really terrible. I'm trying to think of the uh, the Trinidad and Tobago striker's name that like. Oh, signed by Atlanta United. No, you know what I'm talking Didn't about, though, play, right? Wasn't he playing for no the Trinidad? He got loaned team. back out to like the Trinidad team. I want to say it's um, something Jones. Yeah, I, I believe so. But that that guy's a beast, and I don't know why he's not playing in the MLS right now. But if uh, any NASL team could kind of poke him, Ken over, Jones, yes, right? yes. If any NASL team could kind of poke him over with the right amount of money, <laughs> that. Uh, I think he would be a beast. You know, that's that's the thing with, like, Division Two. You're going to have to get a kind of over-the-hill superstar or a, a young guy on the come-up, and I'd rather see them get the, the young guy on the come-up, you know? I'm not, you know, obviously we all heard some rumors this year and had some guys that would bring in attendance numbers, but uh, realistically you want you want the young guns. Man, but it, Ken Wayne Jones, that's a guy that, like, is notable, though. Like, that's a hell of a, like, name drop. And and even if you didn't know his name, that's a really good player because this is a guy that, you know, quietly has played in the Premier League for whew, years. Spent time at Southampton, spent time at Sunderland. I think he spent time at Stoke also. So it's like this dude has played, you know, in the best leagues around the world. And, and when you think about it at the age of 32... You know, like thirty-two. Well, he is thirty-two, so that's the thing. Though. Oh, I was with. <laughs> you thought he was a young gun stuff. Yeah, he, I second, thought he was like twenty-four. The second I opened my mouth, oh, you played in the Premier League. He was like, oh god, yeah, I ruined this Crap. one. 
uh, yeah, so I, I think it's it's hard for me to look at the team and be like, yeah, we really got to bring in this, we really got to bring in that, um, because you, I do feel like there's, I feel like stability is an important characteristic of a successful team, and considering how unstable things were for basically all last season, to finally have kind of a core in place, any sort of big signing, you would then start asking the questions, well, if it's really that big of a signing, who are they going to replace? Who are, where are you going to slot in? Um, I, I think that obviously if it, you know, if a name comes available, if a player comes available, uh, and, and it's an opportunity for the team to pounce on it, like you said, to, to bring attention to the team, to bring in quality to the team, you have to go. But I, I don't think there's anything really floating out there for Miami FC where you say, yeah, you, this is – this is it. You got to take this golden ticket that's hanging out there. Again, it's I, I, I'm I'm not in the know. I'm not. I don't have you know inside sources about what's available. But I just think that at this point, you you, you never want to be complacent. But at the same time, you, you don't want change for change's sake. I hear Coutinho's available. Uh, I I've heard opposite <laughs> from my sources. Well, with I the mean, team. you 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 were asking Drew to like name. Not necessarily a player or a position. You don't feel like there's anything. Let's say Miami FC had this abundance war chest, and you know, just name a position. What is something that you think Miami FC could strengthen, and you wouldn't mind adding? You know, obviously in a vacuum. You know, this person, not necessarily a guy, but like this role, this type of dynamic, uh, you know, ability or or this player or this position. I would say, I guess, defense. I feel like defensively we could use uh, players of of comparable quality to be able to swap in. I feel like that if one of the two center backs goes down or is unavailable, things get a little hectic mm-hmm. at the back, which I don't like. Um, I'm always of the mind that you build up your defense and then you go from there. Um, you know, scoring goals is fun, but you got to be able to defend when push comes shove. Um, so I would look specifically at center backs, quality like rotational center backs that you could bring in. Uh, behind a Mason Trafford, um, and and then really work out from there. Left back, you know, we had we had a strength, and then uh, Roberto Baggio Casero, uh, Robert Baggio Casero suffers the injury. Right back, Blake Smith has good games, has some bad games. I feel like if you were to increase the depth on the defensive end, it would be beneficial. But again, that's not really a big signing. Right. Even even a starting defensive player is not going to be like oh my goodness you know knock the doors down we got a big defender you know people (laughs) you know scoring is sexy that's what people want that's where normally your big signings come from either your midfielders or your forwards but i think really the team could always use more solid defenders Uh, yeah i i thought you were talking about the league in general so i was like man screw it i'm gonna throw out this guy well Um, true (laughs) real quick somebody did you mean oh alex anderson the guy who plays for st vincent and the grenadines no, 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 no. Okay. I figured because I was about to say, I'm like, you know, this is a guy that in the last round of the Conquer Cup qualifying, he's 21 years old. And when you were saying he can't get MLS time, you know, he plays for the Sounders. He, he plays for Sounders too. actually went down with a knee injury. So what this, I started, you know, kind of putting the math together. I'm like, wait, does he mean Alex Anderson from, from Seattle? I wasn't 100% sure, so I figured I'd uh, No, Kenway Jones, like, he was at Atlanta United and then got transferred loaned out to some Trinidad Tobago team I never heard of. I don't know. Anyway, for Miami FC, I'm I'm with Matt saying I'm gonna go with the defender. I'm gonna change my pick. I'm gonna go with Kevin Kofik from Ooh. uh FC Miami City, our homeboys in the uh USL or USL PDL. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
He was uh he made the uh US USL PDL's uh, top fifty player roster this nice. year. Crazy goal scorer, defender, like all around pretty good player. I mean that that would be a cheap acquisition. It wouldn't cost too much. Cough cough, pick him up, Miami, if anybody's listening. Um <laughs> But that's that's the thing kinda too. Last year we were desperate at the end of the, the first half of the season, so we made all these big splashes and signed all these big names, and then in the beginning of this season, we didn't do that much uh, player signing-wise besides, like, Pino and a couple others. So, you know, we we are more just enforcing the team and backing up injuries now. You know, we don't need to go sign the some crazy player to, you know, maybe help try to bail us out of a sticky situation. We're just basically trying to, to build the team off of what we already had, fill in some positions where we had injuries, so... Um, very different situation this year from last year as as far as midseason player acquisitions. I will say this. Uh, before we get into the second acquisition and the one that I was very hard trying to figure out who it was with the limited information I was given, I was hoping to really <laughs> break the envelope here. Um, I think that Miami FC would love, and I think almost any team would love, because I think you guys would both agree with what I'm about to say, there is no replacement for Poku in this league. It just doesn't exist. There is no dynamic number 10 like him. More than likely, he is the best playmaker, the biggest force in the league in terms of just pound-for-pound pound individual talent and ability. But I think if you gave Miami FC an unlimited war chest and you gave them a number one option of something they could go after, I think it would be in case something happens to Poku, Who's going to be that backup number 10? Because right now it doesn't exist. I mean, honestly, Ariel Martinez fills in pretty well. He's a great change of place player, but he's not a replacement to Poku. He's not a, a, a viable, you know, sustainable number 10 for 90 minutes moving forward every game. 35 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, no problem, right? Once we're breaking 60, 75, 90, you see the wheels that they're not really there and you can't really blame the guy you know he's, he's getting up there in age over 30 at this point but you know i really think if you could find a number 10 and bring them into mls if you can bring them into nasl um and either play with poco and have two number 10s um you know in, in a crazy you know some some weird kind of formation or if you can go ahead and you know, give Poku some nights off just to, you know, allow him to rest and rehab at the rate of everybody else. I think that would be Miami FC's uh, probably best option to go with. The second addition uh, for this team, 30-year-old Italian defender. Nesta hinted that it would be an Italian. So what did I do? I looked at La Liga. I looked at La Liga 2. I looked at MLS Italian players. I looked at Italian players in the NASL. I looked at Italian players in France. In the second division, I did not think we were going to be signing a guy from Italy. Alessandro Lambrughi enters the club. A 30-year-old defender has spent time in Serie A, Serie B, Serie C. Pronouncenames.com. That was early. Alessandro <laughs> Lambrughi. Lambrughi. Yes, I love it. Lambrughi. The 5'11", 160-pound defender enters the team, <laughs> and this is the signing that provides the depth to the aforementioned Blake Smith because he is a fullback. He is able to play at high levels, especially in Italian soccer, and how meticulous 
that talent and how that game and the style of game is played. So what do you guys think? Alessandro Lambrugi, not necessarily somebody who pops out of paper like we talked about in, in terms of defenders, but can bring something very pivotal to this team. Yeah, I, I think that Lambrugi, I mean, we're going to have to see his, his performance on the field. Um, but like I mentioned, I'm excited at the prospect of having suitable replacements on the back line that will hopefully keep up similar quality to what we have now. Of course, it's it's not going to be... It's Anytime you bring in a substitute or you're rotating players, you're never going to have the same quality as with your original starting core because they've been together and they play together and they know all the intricacies of one another. But just having the ability to breathe, to have given guys a little bit of space to breathe would be very helpful, especially as we head in to the rest of the fall season, as we head in near the playoffs, as we're going to want to adjust time here and there to give rest and then at other times adjust time to get guys ramped up having those options i think will be very key i think it's a very solid signing i was very happy with it again are you getting big names where you're like oh my god no you're not but that's okay you're getting two solid players who should be able to offer you time on the field without a tremendous drop in quality from your normal starting rotation and to me that's at this point from what for what this team has and what competition they're going to face in the league that's kind of all you can ask for and not to light a fire in the promotion relegation conversation, but you're not going to get big names coming to second divisions when, I mean, really, you're not going to get the biggest of names coming to second division when there is no ability to advance to the first division. No more parole. I'm done. Uh, Drew, what are your thoughts on Lambrugi? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm super excited, you guys, um, to go along with the Vincenzo train. Now he has, like, a buddy to hang out with, another Conformaggio Another name that I couldn't pronounce, like Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> well, you know, it's go ahead. Oh, go for it. no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, it's also another, you know, within the same position that we needed. So it's it's good to fill that back line and get some more defensive players into the team into the stretch, and especially with Mason's injury and everybody else's injury. So, uh, Lambrugi. Lambrugi. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Lambrugi has yet to feature in any of the lineups. Uh, probably some of that has to be visa-related with regards to coming into the country. Don't know if he'll be in Puerto Rico for Saturday night's game, but probably expect him to be in for uh, the Labor Day weekend tilts up ahead at home. Um, one thing of note with Lambrugi, and Nessa was really happy to get an Italian player, but once I noticed his youth academy, this is the guy that came up through the AC Milan youth academy. This is a guy that more than likely, I haven't looked at the dates, so I can't verify them, but spent time inside the academy of Milan during the same time that Nesta was having his playing days with the club. So there could be a connection that goes deep. I would love to ask Alessandro uh, what are the similarities to the AC Milan practice, uh, the AC Milan style of play uh, compared to the one that we see here with Miami FC? Because it wouldn't surprise me, especially with uh, the trainers, the coaches, the technical staff, and, and with the heritage of Nesta and AC Milan, if this team sets up a lot like AC Milan uh, does with regards to their work ethic and practice and you know grit going into games. 
Let's go ahead and transition over to the games that we missed. Uh, last time that we left you here about two weeks ago, we talked that we had a North Carolina FC. Just kidding. We had an Indy 11 match that we had to discuss. God, guys, we're off today. Holy crap. Anyway, so game is... It's, we're still not as bad as that one episode that we had that was just absolute a train wreck. I think it was episode 20. Oh, that was bad. Uh, that was the worst one. That's still the worst one. That will forever be the worst one. The but, best yeah, one. We're, <laughs> of course, because hey. good is bad. If you're bad enough, you're really good. Um, so, do you want to just kind of right. like clump them together somewhat? Like, obviously, just see, do the we, scores, but I don't, don't want to spend do, a bunch of time breaking them down piece by piece. We, we don't do pre-show production because this is something we should have discussed prior <laughs> to the show production. Instead of just being like, yeah, but this gives Matt something to do tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So, listen, guys, yeah. quickly. Miami FC Indy Eleven game finishes three one. Uh, in that match, it was a return to form, a return to normal for a team that basically you could describe as struggling. It lost a lot of games coming in, and it was the catalyst. Miami FC handedly, you know, thromps in the 11 in a match that Vega looked fantastic in making save after save, you know, stopping shots left and right. I believe he was the man of the match after this game. Stefano Pino opens up the scoring with a 47th goal from Jaime Chavez. In the 60th minute, Dylan Maris also gets a Jaime Chavez-assisted goal, and Pino closes it out with his brace in the 69th minute, allowing Miami to go ahead nice. and win 3-1. to one. Keep in mind that for this match, you did not have Vincenzo Ranella. Vincenzo Ranella did not play in this game, went down with an injury uh, in one of the previous matches, and was not ready to go. Let's go ahead and fast forward to nine days ago. Tuesday, North Carolina FC at Cary at the start of the road trip. So Miami FC is playing three games on the road in the matter of, what, 11 days or so. Miami FC go into carry, get an early goal from Jaime Chavez, assisted by Ariel Martinez. They walk out with a win. This is a weird game for Miami, and the reason I say is that because Vincenzo Ranella did not start, Poku went ahead and started as the left striker for the match, and Ariel Martinez went ahead and played that number 10 role, played the number 10 role very well, went ahead and, and got extensive minutes in the match. He was subbed out uh, pretty late in the game, which allowed Miami FC to go ahead and seal that victory as well. Er, uh, sorry, I was going to say Ariel Martinez, but no. Um, Vega, another strong match from North Carolina, being able to stop consistent shots and letting Miami uh, get out of there with a clean sheet. Last Sunday, Jacksonville Armada, notable Pretty decent team. However, Miami FC hasn't had any problems with Jacksonville at all. And Jacksonville is in the middle of a slump. Drew, Matt, I think you guys were at the watch party. So, how did that game go down? Yeah, that, that game was weird. Um, that's, you know, as you said, Renello was out. Um, Pino also got injured in the Indy 11 game and hasn't played since. Um, <clears throat> so, it was a, kind of a weird starting lineup where you had Resende start the game, Barajo start the game. Uh, first time Lavelle Palmer uh, starts the recent acquisition. Um, our bench was very bizarre, too, because it's basically all defensive players. You had Freeman, uh, Michelle, Johnny Steele was there. Ruthven, Mares came in, and Farfan. So um, it was very, very odd for, for our team. And uh, luckily, Jacksonville just has the ability to not score or take any decent shots on goal, so we were able to squeak away with the 1-0 victory. Um, it was it was a very, very slow game, but 
Chavez ended up uh, pulling a goal, I think it was towards the end of the first half, uh, to come through. So, I mean, he's he's had a pretty great stretch in these 11 games uh, coming in off the bench. Not off the bench, but as a starter where he scored in the North Carolina, then Jacksonville, and then had two assists in Indy. So, um, I guess that's something to, to look forward to going forward if Pino or Ranella can't come back uh, in a decent time time frame. I mean, this is another game where Ranella didn't feature on the bench either. Um, so it kind of makes you worry what's the extent of the injury. Uh, you know, again, Mason Trafford also not in the lineup for this game either. Lovell Palmer suited up at center back alongside with Red Bernstein. So you see that then the ability to play multiple positions and Palmer already having the lineup, you know, at right mid a couple games, uh, lined up at center back. So, you know, he's able to flow around at the same time here with Alessandro Lambrugge. You're probably going to see some minutes go uh, towards him that would have gone to Blake Smith. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how this team progresses because Dylan Mayer is also played off the bench, probably, you know, allowing Calvin Resende to get some minutes here and, and you know, really rest uh, Dylan Mares, especially for the, the stretch of games coming up here, but you know, the notable absences right now are Mason Trafford, you know, ones to worry what is his injury and, and how extensive is it, uh, Vincenzo Ranella, whose injury was not discussed with anybody, wasn't mentioned anywhere unless we had to ask, and then we were told, oh yeah, Nesta told us recently that he picked up an injury in training, and last but not least, Stefano Pino, who went down in the Indy 11 game with what first was feared as an Achilles tear, and then looked just like a high ankle sprain, as with we, as we know with multiple other sports, high ankle sprains are injuries that take extensive time to come back, and, and really you don't regain full mobility for you know a couple months so you know how much longer is Pino going to be out because Pino was on a goal scoring tear it almost seems like with this team you know every time that you reach you know uh either team leading status and goals or you reach league leading status and goals you get hurt it seems to be the curse of the NESL it's funny yeah yes I was was talking kind of smack to the Jacksonville people because I was like statistically you were playing against a Miami side without the top two goal scorers in the league like, imagine, you know, would you be scared if you played North Carolina if Matt Fondy and uh, Lance Lang weren't playing? No. Like, those are probably the only two players I can name on <laughs> North Carolina without <laughs> thinking about it. And then also, then you have Ranella with being an assist leader. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's why the one nothing was a great road victory there. The weird part about the Ranella injury, though, is that he came off the bench for the uh, North Carolina game but then wasn't present for Jacksonville. So, um that's where I'm hoping that it's not that serious if he was able to kind of play in between those two games. Right, Matt? Yes, that's correct. You guys had a good dialogue going. I was laying back. It's all right. Um, yeah, I, I... Last time Omar and I met, it was doom and gloom. Things were looking very bad. We didn't know where the team was headed. And I feel like the last two games... Their ship has been righted. It, it appears that we're Miami FC is now a little bit back on track. And are you going to deal with injuries? Yes. Are you going to deal with having to rotate players in and out? Yes. Actually, for the most part, during the spring season, with the obvious uh, exclusion of Robert Baggio Casera, who went out with a season-long injury, um, the injury bug really wasn't much of a problem for the team. And now I feel like as the season wears on... Um, you're, you're having to be more cognizant of it, and that's natural. And luckily, the Miami FC is in a position where they can 
take time with things. They don't have to rush things. They they have their postseason spot locked up. They're in pretty good position in the fall season. Uh, you know, they're doing well even there despite the kind of slowish start. Uh, where you can take care of these things the right way. And I think that'll be a big focus for the team going forward is maintenance. How can we maintain everyone doing as well as possible? Obviously, we need to get players some some time on the field. They need to be playing. They need to stay in shape. Uh, but at the same time, if someone has a little bothersome injury, are we going to press down through it? No, probably not, because why? What what what's, What reward is going to come from that? Probably something not all that significant what possible consequences are going to come from it, possibly a very significant consequence. And so it's it's a simply cost-benefit analysis. What do you get out of pushing the player? Probably not all that much. Let's maybe dial them back and make sure they healed through this thing the right way. Well, sometimes when you get a, you know, a lot of games in a short amount of time, it could be a blessing or a curse. And for most teams, it happens to be a curse. Miami FC played three matches in eight days when you go from Indy 11 to Jacksonville Armada. And the fact that they happened to pick up three points in each of these games, you know, ascended Miami from the bottom of the table, being winless and pointless in two games, to now top of the table in the fall season, tied with Puerto Rico with, you know, three wins in a short amount of time. And the nice part is that we're going into this weekend, the Saturday, uh, just, you know, tomorrow, maybe today, depending on when you're listening, and Miami FC is traveling to Puerto Rico to take on the fall season leading team. Um, it's really important to keep in mind one key thing here. The combined table, not really for Miami FC, but for everybody else, begins to paint a bigger picture on the season. Because if Miami FC continues this form, where they're going to go on another six or seven you know, winning winning streak, or they're going to go on a 10-game unbeaten run, you're pretty much going to compete for the combined uh, the, the combined standings and try to be in positions 2, 3, and 4 in order to lock up a spot in the playoffs. And looking at teams like Jacksonville, who collected two points in their last five games, that's a problem. They've slipped out of a playoff spot. And this allows teams like Indy 11, who had a horrible start to their uh, spring season, to actually claw back and find a way into these four spots in order to get into the playoffs. So it's going to be a really good run to see here. We've got a lot of games in a short amount of time. If you think about it, there's basically, what, two months left in this season, and we're still talking about close to 10 games to be played. So we're going to be seeing uh, roughly about a, oh, a little over a match uh, a week going down the home stretch, and um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun soccer and it's going to be a lot of quantity soccer so uh, let's see what happens and let's see how Miami FC can position themselves moving forward uh, going into this weekend's game against Puerto Rico this is a team that in the spring season didn't do so hot the fighting Carmelo's finished with a well, I should say league low uh, bottom of the table nine points only won one match, was able to draw six games, um, and their home record, 1-3-4. and four. They did not win a game at all on the road, so this game's being played in Puerto Rico. What do you guys think about this match, especially considering the form that Miami FC is coming into? Uh, for me, I guess it all depends about uh, availability of, uh, of our players. I think if we put out the same kind of squad we, we put up against Jacksonville, that uh, it could be a could be a dangerous weekend or a dangerous game. Puerto Rico came out pretty hot. Um, they were against Edmonton last weekend on the road and drew, so that's kind of a good sign because uh, Edmonton are still a terrible, terrible team. <laughs> but Puerto Rico has definitely improved. Uh, you know, 
based any time during the last half of the season, if you told me they'd be, uh, you know, on top of the table for the fall season, I, w- I wouldn't believe it. So um, it's going to come down to maybe if, if Rennell is available or, uh, you know, a few more players, basically a little little bit more of our A squad than we put out against Jacksonville, and I'll feel a lot more confident about the game. But watching that Jacksonville game, I kind of had the, the Puerto Rico one in mind where – I was like, oh, I don't know about this roster <laughs> going forward. But um, I'm, I'm going to go with a uh, 2-1 victory. Matt, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think I think actually 2-1 was what I had in mind as well, not to rip off Drew's uh, prediction, but I, I think that's what we can look forward to. I think Miami FC are on a bit of a roll. They do have this kind of uh, road trip going on that can maybe add some instability and some uncertainty, But but I feel like knock on wood, that the ship has been righted a bit, it's heading in the right direction, and I th- I'm i hoping for a positive result. The more I look at this fall season calendar, the more I think that the schedule and matrix had a bunch of errors in it with the amount of home-and-home home matches that Miami FC has to play. For example, obviously we play Puerto Rico on Saturday, we also play Puerto Rico at home. The homestand begins again against Puerto Rico. And then you have a stretch where you play San Francisco three times in about a month, Jacksonville on a home-and-home again, and then you close the season with a home-and-home against Edmonton. I don't know what happened with the schedule matrix, but this is horrendous. You're building up a lot of rivalries, which I can see from the league perspective, which is nice because you're going to be playing these exact same teams game, you know, weekend after weekend. You know, So it's going to be one of these things where these games may get chippy down the run, especially when teams are fighting for those last playoff positions. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, with regards to this game in Puerto Rico, I think Drew hit it on the head. It depends on who's going to line up for Miami FC. If you're going to start seeing, again, a mix-and-match 11, you know, Puerto Rico's proven to be somewhat threatening here in the fall season so far, picking up points in all their matches and not dropping a game completely. Uh, so it's going to be difficult. So if we see a mix and match 11, probably going to get a 1-1 draw. Vega's been playing outstanding early on this season, and he's really you know stood up for Miami uh, when he's had to. If Miami FC have a return to normal with their 11, and you see a lot of the key players come back, for example, Vincenzo run a little top, make sure Poku gets a full set, the midfield's untouched, maybe see one or two changes at defense, I think we'll be okay. I think a 2-1 victory uh will be actually you know what i think a two nil victory uh for miami fc in this match with vega keeping another clean sheet uh his third in a row oh man you're sleeping on giuseppe i'm not sleeping on giuseppe man i just need him (laughs) to be in a miami fc kit so maybe if he doesn't score goals he can fly under the radar just a little bit get on a cheap contract and wham we've got three three one six seven Alrighty, so uh, that's pretty much it we've got here for NASL. So before we break down the upcoming, and or not break down, but really just touch on the, the upcoming United States men's national team qualifiers, we do want to take a trip, fasten your seatbelts, put oh, your man, tables I hate this in place. the upright position. <laughs> uh, Drew has been absent from the podcast for quite a bit. We've heard Lee's picks. You heard them on the last episode. You've heard our picks as well in terms of myself and Matt. So, Drew, we're going to put you on the spot here. So, hopefully you've studied. Hopefully you've had your answers written down for a little while here. What are your top four teams uh, to finish the Premier League season? Who is going to get those coveted Champion League positions? Man, I hate you guys. Okay. It's going to be, Arsenal's going to win the league this year. 
Arsenal never wins the league. They're not even in alphabetical order. But Ernie, go ahead. <laughs> I I hate I hate you all on your team. So I'm gonna go Arsenal, Chelsea, Huddersfield, and um, Aston Villa. Brighton, Brighton and Hove Albion. <laughs> Aston Villa in the championship is gonna have a a mid. Oh no! Promotion. I wasn't thinking Aston Villa. Who's thinking? Um, whatever. New. Now, ah, screw it. Anybody but uh, Manchester United or Liverpool. Lovely. No, okay. Man U looks fire though. They're they're a really scary team right now. All right. Yeah, I might need to re- re- potentially edit my comments on Manchester <laughs> United struggling this year. Didn't we- it is early though. Everyone loves to. Oh my God, they're freaking going to win everything. Let's say it's two weeks into the season. Let's take a breath. I'm, yeah, but this started but, uh, with two four nothing games. Just watching. It's those, impressive. I was like, it Oof. is impressive. I I can't. I can't, you know, denigrate it. I can't put it down. It's it's solid, but it's we're we're one nineteenth of the way through the season. There's still a lot of season to cover. <laughs> it's amazing. We talk about or we enter a topic that we don't discuss regularly and that we don't cover, and yet the chemistry just comes right back. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is the show, guys. Is, but that's because we're arguing with each other. So yeah. like, we need more of this. Omar um, needs to become a Puerto Rico fan. <laughs> Yo, at least give me the Cosmo sweater. Fuck you, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, we both had Huddersfield and Brighton in our bottom three. Uh, Huddersfield clearly showing that they may not get relegated this season. And Newcastle Oof, eh, no kind of you know showing that they may get relegated. Drew, who do you think prior to the season starting, because please just don't go West Ham, Crystal Palace, and Newcastle. Um, who do you think are going to be the three teams at the bottom of the table? Oof. I know Lee's going to kick me in the teeth, but I'm going to go Swansea. Oof. Okay. Sorry, guys. No, you're um, on par with Matt. Matt had I had him, too. Yeah. I had him, too. Uh, pfft, Newcastle and, uh, man, fuck Stoke. Throw them in there. Hey! <laughs> All righty, so. That's a wild ball, route, wild uh, curveball. That's what I was trying to say. That was a curveball. It's a good one. Yeah, I was we, sad about last weekend, so. Neither of us yeah. had Stoke. I think, uh, I'm not sure if Lee had Stoke. I don't think he did. I think he had Watford down there with me, including Brighton and Yeah, there, there's a lot worse teams than Stoke, but. Oh, yeah. It is. Fuck Stoke. He's trying he, to mix it up salty, a little. Salty after last week's performances. Um, Alrighty, who do you think is the Golden Boot winner in this EPL season? Man, I hate you guys so much. Come on, man, there's only, there's only one guy. I'm going with Lukaku. Yeah, there you go. You see, there's only one guy you can name when you think of, oh, you named him. Good job. Alright. I didn't want to say it, but... <laughs> His name rhymes with Fairy Fane. <laughs> Ooh, no. <laughs> All right, who's got the most assists on this year uh, during the EPL campaign? Metzodozil, man. Okay. Hey, listen, a guy that needs to return to form for Arsenal in order for them to make noise in the Premier League table, Metzodozil. And last but not least, oh, God, this is going to be great. Who's your manager of the year? You know who it is. Is Wenger in or Wenger out? He's in, man. Do we make Arsenal manager great again? Yes. <laughs> well, it it still going. works, MAGA. <laughs> MAGA, make Arsenal great again. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, you could even have red hats. Yeah, the red. <laughs> man, I can make a wait killing a in London selling those. Wait, wait, all right. We need to edit this part out. Also, it's gonna be you in the Magic City Soccer Shop. <laughs> gonna be some make Arsenal great again hats. Oh, I'm um, sure they already exist. Either has to for be. sure, but you know we can get our hands on some you know 
Chinese the product. The American distribution. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Made in Bangladesh. They have to be really like horrible hats that look like they've been like stepped on by an elephant and then like uncollapsed. Because that's the key signature <laughs> well, to those hats. We can sell two variations. Well, on the back, we can write hashtag when you're in or hashtag when you're out. Oof. Marketing genius. Yes, I'm telling you, man. Let's do this. Uh, surprising candidate on the season. Huddersfield Town yet to allow a goal in uh, regulation play or in play period, uh, picking up all the points in both their matches. Granted, Huddersfield really hasn't played, you know, somebody who you think, oh, God, like, you know, this is going to be a serious game. They just beat blank, picked up points against Crystal Palace, a team that was targeted to struggle, and also picked up points against uh, newly promoted Newcastle as well. So you guys surprised by Huddersfield? Do you think this is something that can continue? Because remember, whole city started off hot also last year, and they found their way. <laughs> Omar was on yes, Camp Hull City. They found, <laughs> they found their way right back to the championship. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think they're they're on a run. They've started off strong. I, I don't know if it keeps them from the drop. I don't know if it keeps them, but I mean, it's certainly it's exciting for them and their fans. I mean, that's to, to me when you're in that lower spot and you're on the the edge of relegation potentially. Those moments, those exciting moments, are what matters. And so, you know, not I'm not I don't mean to write their obituary in August. Um, but I do think that I, I I don't think that this is a long term trend. I don't think that they're going to keep racking up three points and three points and three points. But we get to May, and maybe that win you got in August is the deciding factor between sixteenth and seventeenth. Uh, I mean, seventeenth and eighteenth. Um, so yeah, sixteenth, seventeenth doesn't matter all that right. much. Seventeenth um, and eighteenth. So. We'll see, but yeah, I, I don't anticipate that this is going to be. I don't think we have another Leicester. I'll say that much. I don't yeah, think we that's... have another kind of right. like that's now the benchmark. It's not good enough to just be like, hey, you you were promoted and you finished in the top half. Now it's like, are you going to do a Leicester? Um, so I I don't think they're going to do a Leicester. I don't think they're going to finish top half. Uh, but maybe they stay up. Who knows? Awfully high benchmark to place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, that, but then that's where the stats are skewed too because it's two games in because right. uh, the same thing with West Brom. They're, they have six points and zero goals against. So. Right. Well, they've only scored two and Tony Pulis' <laughs> men have walked away with six points. So, you know, hey, listen, credit to, to, to Pulis and West Brom. Before we get to Liverpool, Manchester City spent a ton of money on fullbacks. I notably didn't think, you know, biases aside that you know, we saw a bunch of new faces at City last year. They didn't mesh very well. A bunch of new faces came in again this year and, you know, hasn't been fantastic. A 1-1 draw to Everton and then a 3-0 win over, uh, was it Brighton to start the season? You know, so really they beat who they were supposed to be, but they couldn't get past Everton even though they had an early red card. Uh, what are your thoughts on City early on? Um, yeah, I was impressed by... Um by what Everton was able to uh, kind of conjure up against Manchester City. Manchester City had the 2-0 win against Brighton and Hove Albion, and then um, the the draw against uh, Everton. Um, I, they were chasing in that game, I know, but considering... And I, I Again, I have my own biases against Everton, I guess, but I, I was kind of impressed with the way that Everton had, had been playing in that game, the fact that Wayne Rooney is able to poach another goal, uh, really gotten off to a hot start. It looked like things were really rolling in their direction, and the fact that Manchester City were able to get back in that and get a point, uh, I know it was at home. Again, it's not, 
you're not having a parade over a draw at home against Everton. But Everton is better competition than they have been in the past, most likely, we believe. And, you know, it, it you do have new faces, and you're looking to try to get them to gel. Uh, it'll take a little bit. I'm not going to draw any conclusions about them after two games. Um, I still think that they will be in the top four. Um, but, you know, if they have more struggles like they had last year with these new faces... They could potentially, you know, everyone else has gotten better. Everyone around them has improved. And so if if they don't keep up, they're going to fall behind. And they might be the ones facing the, I'll, I'll, I'll borrow the term, the drop into fifth. Mm-hmm. You know, the it's not the relegation drop, but for the teams, those six teams looking to get in the top four, it might as well be. Before we go yeah. ahead, and, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I didn't know if you were going to jump in or not, so I figured they might as well. No, you go ahead, there. you go ahead. So before we go ahead and touch on Liverpool, Arsenal used a lot of their magic week one in order to stave off Leicester, and it was a fantastic game. I mean, it doesn't matter where your allegiances lie. If you like goals, you love that game, winning that game 4-3. Um, and Arsenal couldn't muster a goal at a place that normally frustrates them uh, against the Potters in Stoke City. So, Drew... You know, kind of, you look at this and you say, all right, well, you were able to put a four on Leicester. All right, not bad. You know, Leicester put three on you, but couldn't amass one goal against Stoke, you know, cause for concerns early on? Or do you think that this is a team that, you know, has everything it needs, even with Alexis Sanchez still holding out? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the big issues, too, is his holdout. You know, obviously, <laughs> he's still probably the best player on the team, most expensive, if, you know, but, um, I think just just because of the state we're in, people are starting to panic just because that's what we do as Arsenal fans, and that's kind of the thing to go on now. But you know, week week two, it's already Wenger out uh, in <laughs> debate. But um, I mean, what's what's really gonna? I guess that's, that's kind of ties into the Liverpool. This is gonna be a big game going into week three, playing Liverpool and how we perform against them. Uh, Arsenal lost to them at the beginning of last season in the first game, and I think that was a 4-3 game also. That was another kind of yes. crazy game, but Arsenal was down that one and kind of sort of looked like they were going to come back in. But, yeah, I mean, this this one is going to be the one that the fans bitch about the most if we lose, and then the whole argument is going to come in. So, oh, we can't beat top-tier teams and can't beat bottom-tier teams. and <laughs> uh, Can't beat anybody except for the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty, so... Uh... We won't tease Liverpool anymore. Liverpool, notably, uh, handing Hoffenheim uh, a trip to the Europa League. Turned on that match 20 minutes late thinking, oh, God, I forgot the Liverpool's game's on. Let me go watch some competition soccer. You know, it's going to be competitive. Hoffenheim-Liverpool should be a good game. Uh, (laughs) 3-0 in 20 minutes. Uh, Liverpool takes the lead. And even then, though, being 4-1 up on aggregate, you kind of had a sense of thought that Liverpool, Liverpool fans were like, all right, one more. We just maybe need that one last insurance goal, or am I laying on the tees way too hard here? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, we definitely had the fear uh, was gripping the the, uh, the the supporters because why not? That's what we're used to. We live in fear. Um, yeah, I also I had a, a, a class until 3 p.m. with my students. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, it's dismissal time. I'll click on the game on my computer and see what happens. And then it was, you know three nothing and I'm like what the hell I missed everything uh but of course there were plenty of opportunities for Hoffenheim they weren't able to to capitalize I thought Mignolet did a fine job you know we like to bitch about our goalie situation I I think it's generally okay it's you know we don't have Gigi Buffon or anything but 
it, it's okay. I think our back line and what we've been able to cobble together uh, is not great, and we're going to have a lot of 4-3 games. We're going to have a lot of 4-2 games. We're going to score goals. That's not going to be a problem. We're going to be a fun team to watch, but no lead is safe. No lead is safe, and that will be something that will be a real pain to deal with this year. I have a question. What class was it? Uh, it was my game was on Wednesday, right? It was yesterday. Yes. Yes. So that was my period seven civics class. Civics. Hey, teaching kids to be outstanding citizens and follow the laws. Oh, yes. man. I was going to try to be like, you could have incorporated into the lesson somehow, like history. You could have been <laughs> like, hey, man, we're going to watch this game. You're going to Google each city and give me like 12 fun facts. Matthew could have been like, come up with some statistics can't help you there with civics. I don't know. Omar? Yeah, no, there was, no, there was no good there. way to connect it. Not much there. <laughs> Not even world history now where I'm being slotted. I can do a whole heck of a lot with. Um, like, a tra- like a terrible travel agent, I'm going to take you back to the United States for a quick second before we look at the Champions mm. League draw. Um, pretty much on Sunday, it's rumored that Bruce Arena will put out his roster for the upcoming World Cup qualifier matches. The first one being September 1st against Costa Rica at the Red Bulls Arena uh, in New Jersey. And then the next one being a match at Honduras, a place that the United States men's national team has not found to be very friendly to them, uh, and that match will take place on Monday. Looking at some of the projected, you pretty much know that Tim Howard and Brad Gazan are going to be the goalkeepers called up. Uh, at defense, I think the goal, a lot of guys maybe earn their spots uh, through the Gold Cup. John Brooks has been ruled out for about three months with an injury. Omar Gonzalez has also picked up an injury as well and may not make this trip. Uh, so DeAndre Yedlin as well, sorry, has also been ruled out with an injury as he looks to rehab and get back into the Premier League with Newcastle United. So I think in terms of defense, you're going to see guys like Jeff Cameron. You might see a Matt Beasler call up, probably Tim Marim out from Fulham. Uh, you do need some fullbacks, so expect uh, Graham Susie, not really a fullback, but not much you can do. And George Fiafana to be out wide. Uh, in the defense there. In the midfield, you're probably going to think the new wonder kid, Christian Pulisic, uh, probably going to hold down the midfield with Michael Bradley and Darlington Nagby. And, of course, up top, as always, uh, you'll see a fine combination of Josie, Clint Dempsey, and, and more than likely Bobby Wood. Dom Dwyer may not make the cut this time around. Uh, he, you know, had some time off, especially with his transfer going into Orlando City. Um you know, and he's, he's looked decently there, but hasn't really, you know, put up any stats that are insane. It is a FIFA calendar date. That being said, all of the international players are off, especially the ones in Europe. So you might see a lot of the European contingent come in, not necessarily your domestic players like we saw for the Gold Cup. Um, guys, as you know, the USA currently sits in third, if I'm not mistaken, in the hex. Is it third, guys? I think it's third. I don't know. Uh, I want to say checks out, but I'm not sure. Yeah, they're, so they're currently yes. sitting in third. Yeah, pretty much, right? Eight points. Costa Rica is a team ahead of them. Um, how important, realistically, is it to walk out with at least four points uh, in this two-game set? I I think it's a doable thing, though. My 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 thing with Costa Rica is like Joel Campbell's injured. Costa Rica is you know the the harder team to beat here, but. Uh, if you watch any of the Gold Cup, Honduras was straight garbage. Sorry to my Honduran friends, but that team looked like trash. They need to fix that freaking <laughs> national team. They were they were terrible. I don't think they scored a goal in the whole competition. Um, 
But the Honduras game, even though it's away, I'd, I'd say that's that's easy points right there. So they can focus kind of everything on on the Costa Rica game. But yeah, I, th- I think four is an achievable goal out of there. I, I will uh, come in and just let you know the United States is currently in the third position in the hex. Uh, eight points, Costa Rica is second with 11, Mexico is first with 14th, then you have Panama fourth, Honduras fifth, Trinidad and Tobago sixth. Yeah, so remember, the first three slots in the hex will automatically qualify to the 2018 World Cup. Uh, if you're not in the first three slots, you have to play an intercontinental playoff. Which continent you have to play, I don't remember, and I don't really care, because the United States will probably <laughs> finish second or third in the hex, uh, all things hoping, because I would love to have a very, very happy game at Orlando City Stadium versus Panama, because I've already bought my tickets. Now, um, going back... Getting- really quick, I know that yes. in the past, the playoff was against Oceania. But like Australia and, and, and New Zealand, because I remember the Correct. Mexico had to play New Zealand in order to qualify, but I don't know if that holds. Is that is that still the matchup, or would it be... I think it's been rumored this time around that the Intercontinental team, I think, has to possibly play Coleman Bowl, which would be actually kind of terrible. Um, there is also... Yeah, it would be pretty bad. Um, but there is also that it's going to be against Asia's fifth-place finisher. So to who it actually is, I don't really know. Do you want to play a team from Asia that could easily be a Korea, who's somewhat decent, or play one of the Arab teams that, you know, sometimes have a really good stretch of form and can surprise you? Um, so you really just want to lock it up and don't leave anything to chance uh, with regards to that aspect. Um, so getting back the seatbelts on let's put those trade tables back and uh, move your seats to the upright position we're going back to europe we're going to the champions league draw to close out the show uh many groups of death here uh celtic we hardly knew you thank you for coming oh, <laughs> uh, poor guys tottenham thanks for playing Ooh. thank thank you for playing at wembley even though you're not going to collect any points they're probably uh in group h alongside real madrid dortmund and Apoel from Cyprus. Um, the reason why we poke fun at Celtic is because they have landed uh, Bayern, PSG, and Anderlecht. So I guess it's going to be a fight for third to stay in the Europa League with regards to that group. Um, obviously, my team, Manchester United, uh, landed one of the more favorable draws. Nobody really likes to travel to Russia and play CSKA. Uh, we've played CSKA recently before, and I think that match ended up as a draw in Russia, and I think we took care of them at home, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Benfica was the pot number one. So, you know, when it's the Portuguese winner, yeah, they're decent. But, you know, if you're Manchester United, you should handle them. And Basel from the Swiss League. Uh, Matt, your Liverpool draw, Group E. Yeah, so I was very nervous being in the third pot. Um, it was, uh, you know, it's dicey because you do have those groups of death hanging out there. Uh, largely avoided it, which I was happy with. Uh, you've got Spartak Moscow. Um, you've got Sevilla, which is a, uh, a pretty tasty rematch of the Europa League final from two years ago. Yes. And then you've got NK Marabor, uh, which is uh, generally one of the lesser-known teams in, in the draw in general. From Slovenia. Uh, I'd, uh, what's that? From Slovenia. Yes, from Slovenia. So... Um, could be an interesting travel date for uh, the people on Merseyside looking for somewhere to go uh, to see an interesting game. Uh, again, I, speaking from your perspective, I don't know if Moscow is uh, going to be fun for either the players or the fans, no. but Sevilla, that'll be <laughs> lovely. Um, and you would favor Liverpool to get out of the group. Um, yeah. Spartak is the 
league uh, winner qualifier. They were in the first pot, um, but it's Russian league. It's not Spain. It's not Germany. So, you again, like Omar referenced, you should be able to be pretty competitive there. Maybe a draw on the road, a win at home. Sevilla, very tough Spanish competition. Again, they're not the top three, but they're fourth. Um, so they're pretty solid. Uh, and then Marabor, you ought to be able to get some points out of that and, and get out of this and into the round of 16. I would hope so. It has been too long since Liverpool have been in the round of 16 and playing those home and aways on the Tuesday and the Wednesday nights. And it's just, it's the best. That's what really introduced me to Liverpool. I, I didn't know how to watch the Premier League because it was so early and you didn't have it on NBC Sports when I was in college. Um, you had it on Fox Soccer or Fox Soccer Plus, and we did not have that in our cable package. So right. the only time I got to watch Liverpool was when they were in the Champions League during the weekdays, and it was college, so I could take a Tuesday at 3 o'clock and just do what I wanted, um, go to the Rat and watch. And, and to me, that was just normal. Liverpool always made the Champions League and always got to the knockout stage, and that was that was soccer to me. That was what it was about, and it's been too long, and I want it back. And so hopefully... Hopefully they're able to get through and, and give me some good games going even into the, the springtime. Drew, we're not going to leave you out of this conversation. Yeah, so uh, oh. Arsenal, uh, <laughs> no, we're, no. In the, we're in the L pot. Uh, we got uh, Dortmund, uh, Monaco, <laughs> and Olympiacos. Uh, we'll get to the group stage and we'll get knocked out. Obviously the draw for the Europa Or we'll get Arsenal. out of the group stage and then knocked out. <laughs> Takes place uh, 7 in the morning Friday whether Drew will be watching, that's, I can probably guess that's that he that, will not. He doesn't care. That's that awesome Europa League life, man. <laughs> yeah. 7 a.m. on a Friday. Hey, man, listen. Hey. It could be the and then I get to watch of... games at 1 p.m. on a freaking Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, it's not that bad, man. At least it's extra soccer Thursday to watch. Thursday night, Channel some, 4. Thursday night, Channel 4. Some of, the, um, some of the other groups that we did not mention, uh, Group C, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, Roma, and Karabakh from Azerbaijan. That's, that's an a tough ex- one. That's a tough one because you have to travel to the land of fire. Um, and Chelsea, Atletico, and Roma all quality. Some a little more than others. And, you know, each one of those teams can notably slip up in some of those games. Um, I will pose a question after I'm done with uh, reading these groups. Group D, Juventus, Barcelona, Olympiacos, and Sporting uh, from Portugal. Yeah, we pretty much know who's coming out of Group D, so let's not worry too much about that. Uh, group F, Shakhtar Donetsk, Manchester City, Napoli, Feyenoord could be an interesting one. Group G, I think, is the the most interesting to me, and the reason I say that is because there's Monaco, Porto, uh, Besiktas, and uh, Red Bull Leipzig. So, guys, out of these four groups, obviously excluding Group D, which do you think has the biggest probability of an upset? Uh, C, G, or F? Wait, hold on. I gotta pull those groups up. So, because yeah. I know you read them off, but I need. I, I said it, I talk quickly, but uh, yeah, group. There C was is... a lot of O's with circles in them, and like U's with yeah. like little dots above them. <laughs> so we got a lot of umlauts. Yes, yeah, so we got yeah. again group C. We got Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, Roma, and Karabakh. Uh, group F: Shakhtar Donetsk from Ukraine, uh, Manchester City, Napoli, and Feyenoord. Um, and in Group G: Monaco, Porto, Besiktas, and Leipzig. I think Shakhtar could pull some shady shit. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm going to peel down the groups because I've got the Guardian story up that summarizes every group. So I'm going to say Manchester United, get out. Uh, I think Benfica, get out of Group A. Group B, uh, which none of those would be a surprise. Group B, uh, Bayern and PSG, doi. Um, (laughs) Group C, I think Atletico, and I would not be surprised if Roma could squeeze out ahead of Chelsea. Throwing shade at Chelsea. 
they're going to they're 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 going to have a choice. My thing with Roma's they lost Chesney though. Chesney went to Juventus, so right. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I would bet on Roma, but I'm saying if I'm looking for an upset, I think that might be a possibility. Uh, Group D: Juventus, Barcelona, Doi. Uh, Group E: I would say Liverpool and Sevilla would be the two teams I favor. Um, Group F: Group F: I would say Manchester City and yeah, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, Napoli have a chance. Feyenoord have a chance too, but I would say City and Donetsk. Um, Group G: Monaco. And leaps Hang on a second. Stop right there. Let's stop at Group G for a second because we know Group H. We know what's going to happen here. Monaco, yes. a team that might lose Mbappe, uh, still have Falcao and still have a couple players, you know, who, who can make that team go. Porto is not a team that really scares most teams and, you know, seems to line up pretty standard. Uh, Besiktas, having to travel to Turkey is always difficult for a lot of the Western European teams. Um, and yes. you know what they can do. But Leipzig being in that fourth pot. That's, that's that's the kicker in this group, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like yes. G is the anything is possible group. Yes, absolutely. All right, moving on to Group H, uh, and obviously <laughs> Real Madrid and Dortmund, and you know, heart heart goes out to Tottenham, not really, uh, and Applewell because you yeah you never had a chance really, you just never. Why, why even show up? Just you know, kick a ball around in your backyard, give up the point. It's not worth playing it because you're not getting anything out of those games. Anyway, unless it's the last game of the group stage and Madrid and Dortmund are resting because they've already qualified. Alrighty, so there's your Champions League draw. Maybe next week we'll dive into Europa League just a bit. Uh, we'll be back with a recap of Puerto Rico before we set up the Labor Day weekend for you guys with two matches, uh, two home matches coming up in about four days window. Um, Drew, Matt, anything else to add? I'm going to say watch party for the Puerto Rico game will be at Winwood Brewing. Uh, we've done a couple of watch parties there. It's a really awesome place. Uh, they have an awesome drop-down uh, projector, and we've been watching all the games there or for the most part. Uh, cheap beers, good people. We're now having their uh, their uh, beer at the kegs at the, at the uh, tailgate, so uh, come on out, support Winwood Brewing, support Day Brigade, and uh, get nice and drunk, and then go find some house party to crash and watch the McGregor fight at. Reddit streams. I didn't say that out loud. All right. Oh, no. That's, uh, that's going to be taken down left and right for that fight. Yes, they will be on top of that. Um, I police. will say really quick, I, I realize I screwed up my reference. It's Thursday Night Channel 5. That's the Europa League chant, not Channel 4. <laughs> um, and, go, yeah, go to the watch party. And go to Magic City Soccer. We have a lot of – we're really trying to broaden our horizons in terms of local soccer. Um, you know, one of the best things you can do if you're listening – and you're aligned with a local team is message us on Facebook or Twitter. We respond, and that's a great way to get attention to something that maybe has slipped through our fingers. Um, uh, we really want to be a, a source of information for the entire soccer community down here, and we're not perfect. So if there's something you think we should know about that we don't know about or we you think we don't know about, let us know. Uh, worst case scenario, we already know about it, and we'll let you know that, you know, we know about coming. It. Uh, also, we are looking for people to help us out on the written side, uh, specifically with APSL coverage. And Omar had tw- tweeted about that, I believe, last week. Uh, if you're looking yes. for some experience writing, uh, we're happy to offer it. Uh, we don't have anything to pay because we ourselves don't get paid. Um, we currently have about a buck fifty sitting in our, our Google AdSense account. So if you want like 5% of that, maybe we'll throw you like 10 cents. But. Uh, it, we can give them a cut of our Blue Apron sales. Yes, exactly. <laughs> our, I mean, that's where the real money is. Um, 
but yeah so again it's if we had money to offer i would be happy to offer it i like to pay writers my background is in writing uh i if there was we would but it is a good experience uh you'll be able to work with me and omar and drew uh on writing material and uh i have a background in editing so i can help you with that as well um yeah anyway reach out to us at twitter on magic at, at magic city soccer on facebook facebook.com slash magic city soccer uh or our twitter accounts and guys as we sign out i'll ask you to, again to kind of pump those up remind people where they can find you uh drew thank you very much we're glad to have you back and uh we'll talk next time peace drew? oh i must oh. oh i'm drew thanks for listening you can follow me on twitter at it's houseman lol with no e beautiful thank you very much uh omar uh as always thank you sir let everyone know where they can find you no one's gonna want to write for us if we can't speak into a microphone correctly at mubai at 11 on twitter <laughs> i'm at matthew with two t's s bunch matthew s bunch um yeah that'll do it uh this has been magic city soccer as always thank you for joining us and until next time go miami fc and go miami soccer one really long show killer on loop please